Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have two awesome special guests on the show. We have Niall and Isabel, who are from from um, Ireland and Germany, and they're currently living in Germany. So how's it going, guys? Not too bad, Ryan. Great to hear from you. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. So Niall reached out to our organization, I don't know, it was probably like maybe a year ago or something. And when we first started, um, when I first heard about you and you reached out and now you're on the podcast wanting to share your story. So kind of when were you, when were you diagnosed and, and uh, like, how did you receive that information? Yeah. Um, so I was officially, di- officially diagnosed in August 2018. But getting to that point was uh, a bit of a, I suppose, a tricky road. Um, so, like, you know, I, you know, I wasn't diagnosed or anything when I was younger. I had no clue about Klinefelter syndrome or, or anything like this. And say back in 2015, I was at home and I was, kind of, you know, I was kind of googling about, um, you know, small testicles, you know. Um, because you know, uh, yeah, and um, I came across uh, an article or a, a paper or something about Klinefelter syndrome, and in this paper it had an image of a man, a typical Klinefelter man, what they would look like, and they would have, you know, I, I was going through it, and it was me, you know, it was a lack of muscle mass, um, like fat around the belly. Uh, long legs, long skinny legs, long skinny arms, um, and I, you know, I was going through these things, and I was like, "Oh my God, that is me!" And when I got to the end, it said that if you have Klinefelter syndrome, you're pretty much infertile. So when I read that, I kind of panicked, and I, I what I did was I just put that back in my mind and forgot about it, and went on with my life. Um. And then, yeah, three years later, um, I had, I met Isabel and we were like, you know, we hit it off really well. And, you know, you talk about like, you know, your plans for the future, what you, you know, what you would like, you know, we would like a family to get married and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to have children, but in the back of my mind, it was, I was always kind of worried. I don't know if I can have children because I think I have this high filter syndrome. And yeah, Isabel just kind of then encouraged me to go get tested, you know, because I can also be a bit of a hypochondriac. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just went and got tested. Um, but so I, I went to like my GP. Um, I was living in Amsterdam at the time, and she um, she she wouldn't really let me get tested for Klinefelter syndrome. So. You know, I, I kind of had to beg her. I was like, um, so she, first we started off with a, a testosterone uh, test and my levels were just above average. But um, yeah, so I had to like kind of plead and beg with her. I was like, Do you, have you heard of Klinefelter syndrome? She's like, I have. And I was like, I think I have it. Can I, can I please go get tested for it? So um, she sent me then to go and get a sperm analysis. And so maybe about two weeks later, I had, yeah, I, I did a sperm analysis and then I received a phone call uh, from my GP 
um, saying that the yeah basically they found no 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 sperm, um, and that was like yeah a huge shock. It's a little bit weird even like kind of when I think about it, um. Yeah, so sorry it, about that. It got real then, in a yeah. way, because then you basically, it was official suddenly, what you were afraid of all this time, but then, yeah, it was, you were good at avoiding it for a long time, and then suddenly it hit you. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, you know, you had that kind of good feeling, and, um, you know, and just the way, I'll never forget how uh, my GP kind of um, said it to me. She, it was just so... Um, so cold. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no sperm. Yeah, um, yeah, just like, you know, basically, do, I don't know, she wasn't warm or, or anything. She didn't offer any, you know, guidance on what to do next. And it was just a kind of, the phone call kind of just ended abruptly. And um, I know I was in work at the time. And I just, you know, I, I was quite emotional. Yeah, I, I kind of broke down, yeah. to be honest with you. And then, um, I went uh, I went up to my manager who I so I had started a new role in the company for about like I was there for maybe three months and I got on quite well with, with, with this manager and um I was just kinda honest with him about what happened because I yeah, uh, you know, and you needed he allowed me you needed support within that moment of like getting that phone call, that cold phone call about like yeah, you have no yeah. sperm, and then you needed that like human interaction, and so what did what did you talk yeah. to your boss about? Yeah, exactly. Um, it was just more like um, um, you know, I, I told him about the, the 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 analysis and the results, and I told him that I you know about this kind of self diagnosis maybe a few years ago, and like you know basically what I've just been saying, and you know he was a bit taken back, but he was very comforting. You know, um, but sorry to actually push up, but I think I remember it was before or after speaking to my manager that I rang Isabel. You rang me straight away. I rang her. You were on the toilet and you were crying so much that you couldn't even speak, which is obviously understandable because he, I think you were also afraid to disappoint, yeah, like people in your environment. Yeah. And that is really important for you to, yeah, as a person in general, not to do so. And then, yeah, this shock to hear it, it being yeah, official in a way. And I think then you went to your manager because he just wanted to get home. You wanted, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wanted to kind of get out of the place. And as well, like it was quite early as well in in our relationship. Um, we weren't yeah. even going out a year, I think. No, it was like after a few months, because I when I told me about it before, and he was like, "Ah, oh, I might be infertile." I was like, "What? Why do you think so?" Like. I don't really get it because he never told me, I think he didn't tell me back then about Kleinfelder and obviously I didn't have a clue about Kleinfelder mm. anyway and yeah, so I was like just get tested, it'll be fine, it's going to be grand but then yeah, it yeah. happened then it wasn't um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then yeah, I went up to manager and then was able to kind of leave and then um, you know, just got my kind of you know thoughts and and you know spoke with Isabel then um because you know we're we're in a long distance relationship so uh I think I spent the rest of the evening or, or day just on the phone to her um because yeah it was a bit of a, a shell shock and also Kleinfelder hadn't been like confirmed so 
um, that was the next step was was getting you know uh, yeah a chiropractor diagnosis. How, how was how was Isabel how was your reaction that knowing that you've only dated him for a, like a couple of months or a little under a year and it, you're are you're so supportive so like how was your reaction to him finding out you know that he might not be able to biologically have kids yeah so this might sound super cheesy but in a way I didn't care because like from the start, we just had this deep connection that I can't even explain. So even after three years, I can't really explain what it is, but it's good. It's, to me, it's perfect. It and obviously, at first, I was like, oh, like, oh, no, what are we going to do about this now? But obviously, in front of him, I try to stay strong and yeah, be there for him, listen to him and yeah, support him. And I think a big issue is as well, I'm not a person who's like, oh, I'm this uh, emancipated woman that only focuses on career and doesn't want to have children so family is very important to me and I obviously had known that before um, so it was obviously difficult at, at, at the start and it was sad but I still somehow knew that we will find a way and like we don't have a family yet but I'm still so sure about it that I'm not really afraid of it anymore so I don't even know what way it's going to be. I don't know, but I know it's going to work out. It's just this gut feeling that you have. Mm. That's, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So, but, um, so um, what, you know, once you guys talked on the phone and, and you hadn't had your karyotype yet, what did you do next? Yeah, so I think um, I was then sent to um the VUMC so the medical hospital in Amsterdam to get um I think yeah I'm trying to remember it precisely. So yeah I got got blood blood taken but also I remember this lady um measuring my my height and my my legs, the length of my legs and you know my arms and everything. And then afterwards we kind of sat down and we spoke and uh she was like so I, I was like, I really hope I have Kleinfelder syndrome because otherwise I don't know what has caused it, you know? And she, and, and, and again, I'll never forget what she said to me. She goes, I don't think you have Kleinfelder syndrome. You don't have um, the typical body of, um, you know, of a Kleinfelder mm-hmm. syndrome man. And I was like, okay, what? So then, you know, and I didn't get the results for two weeks. So in those two weeks, it was just utter t- turmoil because it was like, she said, if I don't have Kleinfelter syndrome, then what has caused this? Why do I have zero sperm? It, it was like a very dark time in a way. And thankfully, Isabel really, you know, really, really helped me and got, like, got me through it. And then two weeks passed by and then I went in for my results. And yeah, then they confirmed I had Kleinfelter syndrome, which, you know, I had a mixed, mixed emotions, you know, because... Um, Initially, when you when when you find out with Kleinfelter syndrome from 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 me anyway, I was like terrified about the infertility, and then that kind of that Kleinfelter uh, like diagnosis kind of then is like on yeah okay then there's a very good chance I am infertile, so it was a lot of mixed emotions and um, but yeah that's yeah that 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 that, that confirmation. Uh, was in I say August 2018 and then from there I was um, so like 
the VUMC hospital in Amsterdam have been, you know, I've been really impressed with them and they've been very, very helpful since day one. And, you know, from then I went for tests for osteoporosis. Um, I was assigned an endocrinologist doctor, um, many other kind of things. And then, yeah, that's just kind of started the process then going to speak to them. Um, getting my testosterone checked. Um, thankfully got good news about those process that I don't have it or there's there's no signs of it anyway. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm learning about chronic ulcer syndrome as well. I, I'm kind of thinking back about like you know my childhood growing up, you know, in, in school, and university, and like the times you struggle, and you're like, um, well, maybe that was down to chronic ulcer. So. Um, yeah, I was able to have a good conversation with the endocrinologist, and, and but I was, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to start testosterone replacement, replacement therapy straight away, unless uh, I got the confirmation that um, that I, I could do a micro tease and to see if there was any kind of um, sperm in my testicles, and so yeah, that 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 took about a year. It, it took until August 2019 um, to have the surgery. And so what was so, what was that process like of, you know, knowing that you had low testosterone and, and did they in, did they inform you on what would testosterone be a benefit to you? And then, you know, since you chose to do the microtees, what what was it? Was it covered by insurance or like how was that process of getting the microtees for you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so to answer the question, yeah, so it was covered by my health insurance uh, here in the Netherlands. And um, I've gone a bit blank. They told you what's going to happen when yeah. you take testosterone and definitely what it can do to you. Yeah. So there was this conversation, but like, when I was listening to you, to your questions just there, Ryan, I think, and also what you were saying now, um, I think that the majority of people in hospitals, maybe it's just like in our bubble in a way, um, are just not educated enough when it comes to this. So I think there's someone missing, like more expert or experts or specialists in a way, because you never really had someone who's like, okay, I am specialized when it comes to plant salsa. I can help you. And I'm going to take your hand now and I'll yeah. show you the way. I'll show you what you can do. So that you had like different people who said some yeah, little things to you and yeah. then you had the possibility to go online a lot and read a lot, but there was nobody really who yeah, who well, like, specialized. Yeah, well, like the, for the first endocrinologist, was, you know, he kind of was like, um, you know, when you go on testosterone, you're going to turn into this like superhuman with this like you know your your, your focus and concentration and energy levels libido like you know all those levels will go like you know through the roof and you know you'll be able to uh, again this is what he says to me about um uh, if you go if you take testosterone um like the injections he says that you'll put on so much muscles right that 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 your shoulder could like uh, pop out because <laughs> the muscles will get so big and i was like going no way oh my god and you know i'm fantasizing and I go, oh my god i could actually get muscles this is like wow and then um like you're gonna turn into the green hulk like all of a sudden your yeah. clothes are just gonna be bursting at the seams exactly. 
exactly, exactly. And I'm just like, oh, this sounds amazing. Yeah, but see, this is exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and so nobody is really. So I had these mad expectations there, you know. Um, but but going back to like to so I suppose the process then to the, to to get to the micro teas. Um, so it, there was I suppose the special like a specialist in that kind of area, but it was like for the micro teas. I don't know what the special you know the name whatever, but. That they were kind of, he was quite comforting. He was this uh, really nice German man, and um, and he actually had an assistant come in as well. And they were both really nice and kind of spoke to me about like what to expect um, for the surgery, um, and that I would be, um, I'll be able to like speak to them during it, and I'll be able to like watch on the on the TV screen while they're doing it and everything, which you know. It's quite terrifying, but also you know quite intriguing. And um, but yeah, and, and as well, like I was really, I've been very fortunate with 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 work. Um, they, you know, my manager really was super helpful, really understanding. And I was able to go on sick leave, like paid sick leave for the duration of the surgery and and the and the recovery. So that was like you know a, a kind of stress that I didn't have to deal with. And um but yeah, so then the the the, the micro teas, um so on the day, um just trying to remember it really. Um went in Isabel took me in and Well what was what was the surgery like like post surgery? What was it like once you had the surgery done? Like do you remember what it felt like or what the following days were? Was it like really painful or what Yeah. So, so like I like yeah I remember like um, so yeah during during this uh, you know there was I didn't feel anything and I was, I, I was watching them operate uh, you know on the screen and they're they're explaining each step and like oh this is here and I'm watching them like I don't want to be too graphic but like slicing open or whatever and I'm like oh my god what am I what am I watching you know what I mean but it was and it was surreal because I'm watching on a TV screen but like literally a meter away they're, they're doing it to me. Um. Yeah, doing it to me, like so. But what was actually really a really nice uh, moment was, um. So so normally they would do one testicle. They'll do a surgery per test per testicle. Oh, yeah. And in this instance, they did actually operated not operated, but they they did the MRTs on on both testicles. And which is unusual. Which is unusual. Which like they told me kind of afterwards. Um. So when they're in the process of going looking at the, the second test school, they got they found out the nurses and assistants and doctor uh, they found out that they had found three um, sperm um, sperm cells or whatever from the first test school, and that was like I, honestly it was such an emotional and happy feeling because it was like okay well this is actually a, a success you know this is what we wanted. And everyone kind of started celebrating or cheering in, in the operating room because they told me that um, they never find out really if it's a, a success or not. They only really know if it's a success is when uh, a patient uh, visits, revisits them with a child. So they've never actually found out mid-operation mid or procedure that um, that they have been successful in finding, um, yeah, sperm. So. That was a really nice feeling, and then 
you know, then they 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 finish with the second one, uh, testicle, and then they wheel me back in to um to see as well, and uh and then yeah, they found five like in total five um sperm cells or yeah whatever they're called. And- <laughs> uh, did you guys get oh, yeah. did you guys get eggs as well or did you just freeze your sperm? I just froze my sperm. Um because I wanted to to go on testosterone and yeah, so they're they're currently yeah being frozen at the moment. Um so yeah, and, and, and I you know, I got a bit like worried there. I remember I this time last year, I was like, I hope they're still being frozen. So I remember just reaching out to them and they're like, Yeah, yeah, don't worry, they're still here. So mm-hmm. it was kinda Kind of good. They're being well looked after. Um, but yeah, the, the the recovery then was, yeah, like it wasn't super painful, but it was just I just had so low in energy, so low in fatigue. I had no appetite. Um, it was a weird sensation down in that region, you know. Um, just the thought of having stitches on my chest was just it made. Just everything about it was it was a bit strange to be honest with you, but um the the result in the end was totally worth it, you know, um and then as well like I kind of rushed back to get back into work and I remember going in and then I realised I was like it took me it was this is over two weeks and I was like why is this taking so long and then I rang uh, the nurse they gave me a, a nurse to contact with if I had any questions or. And she was like, oh, yeah, because you had uh, both testicles uh, operated on, uh, the recovery is twice as twice as long. So that's when I realized that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that it was um, it wasn't normal for both testicles to be done at the same time. So, yeah, recovery was about, I think, maybe four weeks about that um, to start feeling normal again and to... Yeah, and, and then within those four weeks, I had started on um, Tostran uh, gel, where I had to put it on every morning at the same time uh, underneath my, like, near where my appendix is or, you know. Um, and I found that to be, like, pretty annoying in a way because, yeah, because, you know, they, they say it's important to, and put it on at the same time and then also making sure not to get you know uh, touch as well with like my like the skin with the testosterone and not using the same towels so yeah that went on for four weeks but it was it was fine because you know we were moving in the right direction um since getting the the cryovalter diagnosis like over just over a year earlier so yeah <laughs> There's a, um, there's a, there's a lot going on there. And so like what I'm curious, why did you search about like having small testicles? I mean, I have a saying and I try to actually yesterday, I just spoke with a gentleman that got diagnosed on Monday in Australia. Um, and I told him and it makes, it makes everybody laugh is like pistachios are the finest nuts of them all. Like, even though they're, <laughs> even though they're small, they're the best tasting, they're the most expensive. So it's like, um, what, what made you, um, like research about having small testicles and like, why did you think that your testicles were smaller? Um, how do I answer this? Um, just, just be real. Just be, you know, yeah, 
seen others? Yeah, I just your seen, brother? Well, I wouldn't have seen my brother. Yeah, or when you go swimming or whatever and get changed. <laughs> yeah, no, there would have been like stuff like that. So, um, yeah, say like, yeah, like growing up and then you go for swim, like swimming in the, in the change room and then you see others and then you're like, huh, that mind's not like that at all. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think just over time, maybe through kind of some kind of change room experience and then also um, what you might like watch online and uh, yeah and you and you just you're like wait wait a second like everything that i've seen in real life and everything that i've seen on on the internet is not like not me and and not and then you exactly. you came to that self that's that's a hard you know to come to that self-realization that's mm. that's a hard thing to to like advocate for but you you like you did it and then here you are like you know, two, three years after, well, you found, you looked at 2015, but then you found out in 2018. And then here we are in 2021 and you have this amazing girlfriend who's supported you this entire way. You did your micro T surgery. They found sperm, which is like absolutely incredible. Um, and you know, so you've, your self-advocacy and your journey of, of finding this out, even though it's been crazy ups and downs, you're, you're obviously now in a much better place than you were before your diagnosis. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, still, I think I think every day is still a, a kind of a learning curve, or maybe a bit of a say, like a reminder um, that I have yeah, Klein-Pelter syndrome. And um, but yeah, there's, there's things make more sense now, you know. And um, so, yeah. what do you? Yeah. What do you do for work? Like, what are what are you? Um, and did and did you said you went to university? So I'm I'm curious about a little bit about, you know, just your life, not necessarily XXY. Yeah. Um. So I went to um Dublin City University to study like a, a kind of a business and computers uh, course, and to be perfectly honest with you, um, didn't really enjoy it. Um, I was kind of just doing it just to kind of, you know, just to do a course, you know, and uh, and hope for the best at the end. Um, so I, I like it was a struggle, you know, at times. Um, it was focus and concentration and um, yeah, and stuff like that. And as well, if you don't really have too much of an interest in the things that you're studying and that you need to spend a lot of time on, it's going to be a, a bit difficult, but. Um, yeah, I managed to get through it until the end, and I was able to. Uh, I applied for a job um, that was in the in the Netherlands. Um, there was a, a couple of Irish people that were working it for this company, and I just chanced my arm to apply for the job. I really had no intention of moving away from Ireland, uh, but the interview went well, and they offered me the job. So I work in IT, kind of cybersecurity. Um, so yeah, I moved over uh, to the Netherlands in November 2013, and so yeah, I've been working for the same company ever since. It's, it's a real kind of like family, like um, environment in, in the company, and the people are great. Like you know, you kind of would make friends for life. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what I what I what I kind of yeah, I suppose. What do you uh what do you do for fun? What I do for fun? Spend time with Isabel, of course. Yeah, of course. That's number one. 
Yeah, good answer. Yeah, I like watching football. And uh, when pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, I would have, uh, any time I went back to Ireland, I'd like to play golf. Um, and but, yeah, in the Netherlands, I like to get squash and tennis. A lot of uh, non-team sports. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so like kind of sports like that, and I've gotten into cycling and running uh, if I don't have shin splints. So um, fitness kind of like, yeah. Um, and then in, in recent years, uh, oh yeah, so maybe a couple of years ago, actually it coincided around the time of my myofascial diagnosis. I started, uh, I did improv, uh, improvisation comedy, okay. which was really, really fun, really good. A uh, great way to just, just to lose yourself in two hours and to um, get all, you know, use up that energy that, you know, that maybe or build up frustration from a working day and then go in the evening. And yeah, so I did, I did that for maybe a couple of years and yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, and then I was interested in stand-up comedy. Um, so I did a, a stand-up course um, for like six weeks and then there was a show at the end but I've always been really interested in um, you always find me like writing down ideas for material or writing down jokes and, and stuff like that so um, which can be really really good it can <laughs> yeah alright I'll take your word for it but yeah, um, yeah I just uh, it's you know you need, you need a lot of um, I just need a bit more encouragement to, to get back up on the stage you know um, but yeah, so it, it went like my show went well and stuff like that. But I know I could do better. Uh, but uh, yeah, just stuff, stuff like that, really. And um, yeah, so traveling, so, and what I'm curious about you know, once you got diagnosed, and and did you tell your family? Did you, did you tell your brothers or um? Well, how many how many siblings do you have? And and what was it like yeah. telling your family? <laughs> so I'm the youngest of four children. Um, yeah, of two older brothers. They're now in their early forties, and I have an older sister who's 39. So like, and I'm currently 31. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I I've never told my parents my kind uh, of their diagnosis. Um, solely and purely because um, so like, how do I put this? So um because no my parents like they're like in their early 70s um my mom is like the second youngest of 10 10 daughters and she's the only one who's not a grandmother and there's no real chance of my two older brothers having children i think like if they would have had them they would have had them by now but um and my sister um yeah well so basically i think my parents' hopes of grandchildren were kind of falling on me. And I really just, I, I, I don't know how to say to them. You know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of worried about uh, how they react. Um, maybe they might, maybe they, they won't get it. They won't really truly understand. And, you know, and, you know, there's been times when I've gone back to Ireland, say for Christmas or whenever, they, since the diagnosis, and I'm like, oh, I'm saying to Israel, and I'm like, Pepping my, you know, pepping yeah, myself this, up, going, this, this is it. This is the time. This is when I'm gonna say it. 
And I just, I just, uh, I bottle it, to be honest with you, you know. Um, so sometimes, you know, I, I have, I've said it in passing to my two older brothers. Um, and they haven't really, we haven't really properly talked about it, you know. Um, the person I've, from my family I've spoke to the most about it would be my sister. Um, so she she would have like yeah like a good idea about us. Um, what are you mostly afraid of as far as you know not not wanting to tell your parents? Are you afraid of their that they possibly will be disappointed? Yeah, um, I I think it's yeah, uh, and the fertility issues, and um, I think as well that they would. I don't know. I, I just hope that they wouldn't blame themselves, even though there's like it's not their fault or anything like that. It's just, um, I don't know. Like I, I've, I've, I've opened up to them in the past about, like, say, when I started therapy, and it, I didn't get the reaction that I would have liked at the time. So maybe I'm a bit put off by this, um, because yeah, I don't know what to expect, and I, I don't really know how to approach the idea of saying it to them, but. You know, Isabel and I have spoken, like, so when when we want to have children, um, and if 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 it if it doesn't work with the the the, the sperm cells and stuff like that, we, we you know we we would like to do go through a sperm donor, and you know what we're kind of like on we, we're gonna have to tell her like you know I'll have to tell my parents then anyway, but it'd be nice to tell them before we get to that stage anyway. Um, I think it's a courageous thing on what you're doing right now is your, your willingness and your openness to share your life with living with XXY and with, you know, the entire community of, of families and other guys just like you all over the world. And, um, you know, you're being real about your life on, on this aspect of why you're struggling, you know, why you're struggling to tell families and, you know, you're not alone in this situation. There's a lot of families that get um, their son gets diagnosed in utero and they don't know how to tell their own family or their own parents on how their son has XXY. And, you know, there's a lot of older guys, adults that find out exactly like you on how um, they're trying to have kids or, you know, they're, they find out through self-diagnosis and they're not sure how to tell their family. And, you know, we're here to support you and, and give you, you know, after this podcast, we can chat all we, all we want about, you know, maybe some of the possible outcomes that your family might have or might say to set you up to, to know that, okay, if my parents respond this way, um, like I, I can say this or, or, you know, it's courageous for you to just be on this podcast, sharing this knowledge and information. And I think when you have the time and when you're, you have that availability to tell your parents, you know, I think you'll get, you'll be able to do it in a way where you feel best and you feel the most comfortable doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I think it will just, it will just take time. And, um, you know, I, I think when, when I do say to them, I'm sure it will be a, a case of, Oh, why didn't I tell them sooner? Yeah, I think so too. Because obviously I know now parents and like, from my point of view, it's obviously easier said than done, but I, like I really, really think they wouldn't judge you or like wouldn't take it in a negative way, but be supportive 
and understanding and also comforting. But still, like, I think everyone could say whatever they wanted. It's you who has to feel comfortable at mm. the end of the day. And if it's tomorrow, great. If it's in, I don't know, three months, it's great as well. And if it still takes three years, then it's also absolutely fine. And you're, you're, you're courageous just by tell, coming on the show and telling your story. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have, this podcast is going to have an impact greater than you'll ever, ever realize. Um, people, you know, people send us emails and say, thank you so much for putting this platform together for people to share their stories because your story would never, you know, you might've never wanted to share your story and your story will help other guys and other families, you know, realize that they're diag- you know, what they might be going through or, you know, other guys that are questioning that they have might, might have Kleinfelder syndrome might listen to this podcast and then they might go through the exact same process. So like, even though we're recording it right now, you might not think that this is a big deal, but it's a huge deal. And, you know, I want, I want you to, I want you to like be, you know, have, have that pause, have that positivity of, you know, you're making a difference and don't, don't sweat on telling family, like it'll come, you know, you've got a really supportive girlfriend that's going to be there with you standing by your side. So, you know, don't, don't sweat it too much, you know? That's, uh, yeah, that's very kind of you to say, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I suppose you're, you're right. I don't even uh, realize that maybe like uh, the impact that maybe um, this this podcast or other ones like, you know, would have on people. And um, like when, when I found out, I suppose, with the client factor syndrome, it, it took me a while to maybe reach out to um, Raj to join the client factor syndrome men's group, men's group on Facebook. And that's been a real kind of, been very helpful, just kind of getting a better understanding of, uh, of client factor and, and the different types of, um, you know, men that, 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 that um, have client factor, you know, syndrome, like, you know, this typical, uh, when, I, when I first started look to, looking into Kleinfelter syndrome, you know, um, I had a different kind of outlook on on a typical Kleinfelter man, you know. But when you know these support groups and everything, you see that you know it's just regular, regular, regular dudes. You know what I mean? And um, it makes it a lot more normal, and you also yeah. don't feel alone, you know. Exactly. And I think obviously we can speak about or like talk to each other about it but i think someone who actually has Kleinfelter syndrome can always understand you yeah from a different perspective that i maybe would never be able to if you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely there's there's a there's a bond that we all share we all have an extra x chromosome so what but you know, the typical, all the stigmas based around Kleinfelder syndrome and and everything like your doctor, you know, telling you, you have it, then you go see someone and they go, Oh no, you don't have it. You don't have the typical body, like the stigma, Mm -hmm. the stigma that is out there, the misinformation. And just by you guys doing this podcast today and sharing about your story and what, how you were diagnosed, told really cold over the phone, like all of Mm -hmm. all the other guys that are out there that you know, get diagnosed, um, there, a lot of them have the same kind of stories of being told cold over the phone or told like they don't have Klein syndrome because they don't fit the typical like description of it. And so 
by you guys just coming out and, and sharing your story, you're, you're just helping break down that stigma and getting more people educated. And, and that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And then not feeling alone because I'm sure when you re- researched it in 2015, you were like, Oh my God, this is me, but I don't uh, please like, I don't want this to be me. And then once you found that support system and you, you found the groups and the other guys like you, you know, it, it, it quote unquote normalizes like just what you have, right? Like you found other people and you're like, Oh, there's other people out there just like me, like that have this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, um, yeah, like I remember even recently, um, so yeah, 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 you, you had him on, we see, uh, Gareth, and he recently joined the, um, the, the, the Facebook group. And on there, like, he, he, he posted something that, like, really changed my outlook. Uh, he, he, he said that, like, he's like, I'm, I'm happy I'm XXY. Because if I didn't, if I didn't have XXY, I wouldn't have these two beautiful kids. And like when I read that, it really it blew my mind. It really I was like, wow, he's so right as well, you know. And it really uh, gave me so much encouragement and positivity because at the end of the day, you know, um, doesn't matter what like I say what what you have, you know. But like just to have, or no, he he just hasn't allowed Clive Hazard to. Uh, to, to like um, take him down, take him down exactly in a negative, and uh, it was amazing. Just that one or two simple sentences. Yeah, but see how much of an impact he has with this one sentence, and you might have the same impact of someone yeah. else. True, um, but uh, yeah, I've forgotten the question. Oh no, that that's that's what um, that's what it's all about. What Isabel said is like it, Gareth. You saw a photo that Gareth posted, like he's. And he told me that as well um, on the podcast and, and after, you know, when we, we talk on a regular basis and I'll put you in touch with him because you guys are both, he's just a little bit outside of Dublin and, um, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's Irish as well. So it's like, there's this whole Irish community now of guys with Kleinfelder syndrome that are starting to just pop out of the shadows and come out of the woodworks. And um, it's incredible to see and to have to him for Gareth just to say like, Hey, um, you know, I've got these two beautiful children and I'm like, I am who I am and I'm not going to change it for anything. It, it, it's that acceptance, you know, you accept yourself for who you are. Isabel accepts you for who you are. You have this amazing relationship that you guys don't know where the chemistry came from, but it's there. Um, and I can definitely feel that chemistry and that support through the phone. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing once you, you know, come to that acceptance of hey this is me and I'm going to live my life for me and I'm not going to you know let this I'm not going to fall victim or let this syndrome hold me back from living my life yeah yeah I agree uh, again it's quite kind what you say but you can feel the connection over the phone yeah that's really nice <laughs> it's very yeah. kind of you um, yeah like I think there's something on my mind in terms of um, so like, uh, so since, since say the micro teas, um, uh, I, I was assigned a psychologist just to, just to chat and say if there was that on my mind or whatever. And I had a call with her. I have maybe chat to her every one, like, you know, once every four, five months. And I had a chat with her there on Friday and she was just like, so, uh, yeah, she she was basically like um, Klein Helter syndrome. It's actually it's actually really normal. 
like she's like on it actually it annoys her that um that it, that it's supposedly a thing you know what i mean that you know it needs to be normalized you know because yeah we are normal you know um, yeah and then also what is normal in this mad world what exactly, is normal yeah. what is not normal and who says what's normal and what's not normal and exactly that, so, yeah. that's the fact i'm so glad you just said that and everybody has something everybody has a health condition or something that is makes them different. That's, that's who we are as, you know, people We're just, all of us are uniquely made. We all have our own fingerprint, our own eye, like different eyes. Um, so it's like, once you accept it and you know, you're the fact that your psychiatrist or psychologist said like, this needs to be normalized is, you know, that you guys just said it right there. Yeah. And it's these type of conversations that really kind of, even this, you know, even this one, you know, what I mean, it's been really, really helpful, um, and like, uh, like you know, it's what you need to maybe interact and communicate more because uh, they have like they leave such a you know positive, they have such a positive impact, you know. So, um, but yeah, she was right about yeah, um, yeah, normalizing. It's it's hard for a lot of people when you don't have the support. And you read about Kleinfelder syndrome online, you know, you fall into that negative, like, oh my God, like I have all these issues and problems and you forget that before your diagnosis, I'm sure you were this happy, you know, awesome, um, you know, human that was just living life. And then once you find that diagnosis, it's like the end of the world. And, and if you don't have that support and you don't have other people to, like look at their lives and be like, Oh my God, this person has it. They have it. Like they're sharing their life. Then you, you fall into that bubble of like the, you become a victim of having Kleinfeld, having all the negative parts of Kleinfelder syndrome and the depression and everything. And you fall into that whole feeling that you're the only one in this world that has it. And so, you know, it's just awesome to have this conversation with you guys today and, and uh, have you, you know, speak, about your life and be op completely open about it. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, having us on and giving us the platform to be able to uh, tell our story. So really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that you guys, you know, have a message for the community or other spouse, Isabella and other spouses out there that are going through the same thing that you guys have gone through? Mm, yeah. I actually have a method. <laughs> yeah, to all, yeah, because like the first thing is that Niall's psychologist also said um, that I think when you read about it first and you find out about it and it's called Kleinfelter syndrome, this word syndrome is already like scaring in a way because yeah, it's, there's such a negative association with this word. And I think, yeah, you shouldn't let... Um, everything you read online online yeah pull you down straight away but yeah you should stay positive because as we say like what is normal what is not normal so yeah i think that's that's a very important thing it's just an extra chromosome and obviously there are more things to it but there's nothing you can't really achieve if you know what i mean um yeah as long as you stick together and yeah, stay strong together and talk about it um, and not ignore it or avoid it. 
I think that's very important. And as I said as well, with the like thinking of family, there will be a way if if both of, of yeah if, if the couple wants it together, and um, yeah, I think it will everything is achievable as long as you stick together and do it together. Awesome. <laughs> You don't have to top it. I mean, you. I agree. Well, it's not bad. No, but honestly, hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. And yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and also, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to um, people online. Like, as you can see, yeah, you reached exactly. out to Ryan, or yeah. Good things can happen. And as well, yeah, one thing about the psychologist said it was about like you know her and her colleagues they they don't use the word disorder anymore they actually say differences so you know it's good to kind of change the way we uh you know approach these things yeah. and uh, it's not an illness it's not no, a disease exactly. you're not gonna die from it exactly and you know yeah exactly like, you, you said it Ryan as well earlier we're all unique and it's just adds to our unique uniqueness it's all it's all good um yeah i mean that's that's everything i mean the fact that your psychologist has has that open mind of saying it's not a disorder it's diff all the differences is is everything right there and uh you know it's this this has been a wonderful experience um getting to know you guys and and uh, when Europe and all that opens back up and we're allowed to travel uh we will definitely be coming to um, Europe, uh, Ireland, England, you know, all of Europe and, and trying to do like some big road trip. My, my girlfriend's from, um, Poland. And so, you know, I hope to, hey, very close. <laughs> so, right, well, we'll, so we'll definitely, we'll have, you can stay in our place. Yeah. yeah we'll, you're welcome to visit Germany or the Netherlands or Ireland or wherever yep. we are. Yep. Absolutely. And, and it's been just awesome having you guys on the show. Um, to share about your life experiences. So I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of that. Um, do you, do you have any, um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, do you have maybe wanted to share your Instagram handle or, or something like that? Or do you just want to, um, I can, if anybody wants to reach out to you and they reach out to us, I can contact you as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the contact okay. information. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thanks for having, thanks for coming on the show today and sharing your story. It's, it's been an amazing experience. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you. It's been great. Absolutely. All right.